Joan handed me an envelope. Inside was a single page. I unfolded the paper with its neat creases and found a letter typed, yes, typed on a typewriter, in three succinct paragraphs. David, thank you for the opportunity to volunteer. However, hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. Hey, glad you could be with us today. This is one of the toughest leadership lessons I ever learned. Uh, it's not an easy lesson at all, what, what I encountered in this this letter from Joan. So the background here is I was 24 years old, and Joan was one of several volunteers on a team that I led, and we were serving students in an after-school program. So I had to find volunteers, coordinate their, their work together, and so on. And after a couple of weeks of volunteering, Joan handed me this letter. And it said, David, thank you for the opportunity to volunteer. However, I would like to reevaluate my service at your school. Ouch. Joan's letter basically told me in very diplomatic language that I was wasting her time. Then in those sparse paragraphs, she gave me a blueprint. It was a blueprint that would transform my leadership It was a key to releasing team members' energy and motivation, and it was a secret weapon to attract top performers. And this blueprint will work for you too, so I'm going to give it to you. Let's start with a trap, though, that leaders frequently fall into. So I want you to think of every member of your team as a volunteer. Now, whether you like it or not, you can't force people to work. You can't compel creativity. You can't push problem-solving. Your team members, every one of them, even if they're unconscious about it, they choose how they'll show up each day. They choose how much energy they'll expend, whether or not they're going to solve problems or ignore them. And their wages and salary don't directly affect those choices. But your leadership, the organization's culture, and their internal motivations do. And this is where many leaders fall into a trap. It's the same trap I had fallen into and that Joan highlighted for me in her letter. You see, I believed that since everyone on the team was a literal volunteer back when I was 24, I shouldn't set my expectations too high or hassle them about their performance. After all, I needed people to help, right? And if it was, if I was hard on them, they'd leave. Or at least that's what I thought. And as a manager, you might even find yourself reluctant to hold an employee accountable because you're worried that they'll leave. I've seen even nonprofit leaders tolerate abusive board members for fear that they'd lose the influence or money that the volunteer provided. But I caution you to beware, it's a trap. When you let your expectations slide and you tolerate poor performance or you allow abuse, you're telling everyone on your team that you don't care. So imagine a volunteer who contributes their time and energies, working diligently, always striving to do their best, working alongside someone else who's no more than half hearted. In their work. What's going to happen to that hardworking volunteer? Well, it's the same thing that happens to a paid employee. They lose heart, they shut down, possibly they leave altogether, find a place where their work is appreciated. And why not? You've told them you don't care about them, that their work doesn't matter, the mission isn't important. That's not exactly the inspiring leadership you hope to provide, is it? So let me give you Joan's blueprint for motivation success. In the years since she wrote that letter, 
and handed it to me, I boiled down her blueprint for success into just four words. Make their time matter. In Joan's plain-spoken language, she shared ideas I could use to set clear expectations for the volunteers and how those expectations would serve the children that we were volunteering with. And if nothing changed, she told me, she would find better uses for her time. Can your team find a better use for their time? Or are expectations clear? Does everyone hold one another accountable? And together, do you accomplish results beyond what any of you could do individually? When your people have that kind of experience, you'll find yourself with a line of people waiting to get in. Imagine having a team, a company, a department with a waiting list of applicants. What would that mean for your business? It can happen when you make their time matter. Joan's letter was a lesson in tough love for me, definitely one of the toughest leadership lessons I had to learn. It didn't feel good at the time, but her message changed everything for me. It made me realize that everyone has a choice, that people's time is precious, and that it's up to me as a leader to make their time on my team worthwhile. Hey, this is Nora, and I have a question. Hi, David. My name is Jamie, and I'm calling in from Maine. My question is about... Hey, David. This is Julian from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. This is John from Colorado Springs. This is Johan White from Kingston. I have a question for you. This is Cynthia from Baltimore. Hi, David. This is Susan from New Jersey, and my question is... Hi, David. This is Dean from Denver. I would love your advice on this. Before we get to today's question, I want to invite you to submit your question. I love to answer them. And you can submit that one of two ways. You can go to leadershipwithoutlosingyoursoul.com and you'll see a big orange button. Click that. You can record your question or you can email it to me at david.die at letsgrowleaders.com. So any leadership management related question, any question regarding any of the 90 plus episodes of the show up to this point, and hope to use your question in a future episode. And today's question comes from Sean and it's a follow-up to the episode on what you can learn from a frustrating boss. Sean says, David, thank you for the tips in what to learn from a frustrating boss. My situation is a little bit different. My boss is frustrating, but she has asked me for feedback about how she can improve. I am wary that this is a trap. If I say something, she could be offended, but if I don't, then nothing will change. Do you have any advice? Sean, I appreciate the question, and I'm glad to hear that you have a leader who is asking for feedback. And as a leader, incidentally, this is something we encourage everyone we work with to do. As a leader myself, once a quarter, I would try to ask different people for that kind of feedback. Hey, what's one thing I'm doing that is effective that's working for you? And what's one thing I could do that would help me to be a better leader for you or the team? And that kind of feedback can be so useful. So the question that Sean's asking here is, should he actually share it? Or is there danger that his boss will take offense and, and so on? So my bottom line advice here is if someone has asked you for feedback, of course, share it. And you can do that in a diplomatic way. You don't have to sideswipe somebody or, or tear into them. It's, it's possible to share your feedback in a way that gives them a chance to build, to respond in a positive way. So what does that look like? Well, the number one strategy to recommend is phrase your feedback in terms of the results they're trying to accomplish. Appeal to what it is that they want to do, to the strengths they're already bringing to the table, 
just the way you would with someone else that you care about. You care about their success. You want to see them succeed. And there's an opportunity to be more effective. You can use an I've noticed statement, something along the lines of, I've noticed that you will set really good strategic direction at the beginning of the year, and then we don't really revisit it. I think it would be helpful to everyone if we revisited it every four to six weeks. That would help keep all of us on track. So that's an example of how you can give feedback according to their objectives, the strategic clarity, for instance, and how they could be even more effective in helping everyone to achieve those goals. So it would be helpful if... And then they can take it or leave it. They can do what they want to with it, but you haven't been offensive. You haven't been insulting. You've given them an opportunity to be even more effective at the things that are important to them. And you can do that personally as well. If the feedback is not about the team or the organization, but it's more for you, you know, you can say something like, hey, it would be helpful for me if we could discuss timelines on when you'll have your elements of the project and what you need from me and and so forth. So phrasing it in terms of what would be helpful for you. Sean, I don't believe there's a trap here. Now, if you're undiplomatic about it, rude or or mean, sure, that might get you in trouble. But otherwise, take the request as a sincere opportunity, phrase it in a way that appeals to the ultimate goals that are important to your, your boss, your leader, and in ways that are helpful to you and to the team. And then don't be attached to the results. They will take it or leave it as they need to, as works for them. So Sean, thank you for that question. And I will look forward to answering one of your questions in a future episode. Remember, when people give you their time, they're giving you their most valuable asset. Treat that time with deep respect. Work out that blueprint for motivation and success by making their time matter. That's it for this episode. Until next time, be the leader you'd want your boss to be. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.